0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our text for today and tomorrow is Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquity. To the hard of hearing you shout, and for the almost blind you draw large and startling pictures." And this is perhaps Flannery O'Connor's most oft-repeated quotation. I don't claim any O'Connor expertise, in fact, I've come to her her writings rather late, as I feel I come to most good authors, always a little bit late. But from what I have read, O'Connor's writings certainly shout and use large and startling pictures. She's receiving renewed attention over the past year as articles in the New Yorker and the Atlantic Monthly attest. Her biographer, W.A. Sessions, in the process of researching her life, happened upon a previously undiscovered prayer journal. This journal came from her days as a master's student at the University of Iowa. The prayers from this young and ambitious writer whose fame and legacy still awaits her in the unknown future of the moment are filled with alarming honesty and forthrightness. Please help me, she prays, dear God, to be a good writer and to get something else accepted. Mediocrity, she prays, is a hard word to apply to oneself. Yet I see myself so equal with it that it is impossible not to throw it in at myself. There must be some way for the naturally mediocre to escape it. The way must be grace. Dear Lord, she prays, please make me want you. It would be the greatest bliss. And she concludes one prayer with this simple question, Can't anyone teach me how to pray? You to read a prayer journal is to gain access to the most intimate quarters of someone's life. You know, a bit like discovering your spouse has kept a secret journal with her or his deepest thoughts and reflections on their lives. You reach to pick it up, only to put it down after second thought. It's too weighty, and who knows what will be discovered therein. The Psalter, or the book of Psalms, is weighty in this way, too. John Calvin famously describes the Psalter as the anatomy of all the parts of our souls. It's the prayer journal of Israel. It's the prayer book of the church. And perhaps more importantly than all others, it's the prayer book of Jesus Christ. Can't anyone teach me to pray, asks O'Connor. The question has been asked so many times, Lord, teach me to pray. And the Psalter exists as a guidebook for the Christian in all of the complexities and the vicissitudes of life. Heaven and hell are in the Psalter, Martin Luther reminds us. And as disquieting as this sounds, the believer is found in both locations. More to the point, The believer is found praying in both locations, heaven and hell. Large and startling pictures are found in the Psalms. And our psalm for today and tomorrow, Psalm 130, is no exception. Out of the depths have I cried to you, O Lord. From deep distress is Luther's famous translation. And it's a good one. But Luther's translation is perhaps more precise than necessary. Distress certainly comes under the umbrella of depths, but the undefined depths press us beyond the confines of distress alone, out of the depths. What depths? The watery image deployed by the psalmist is haunting, lost at sea, strikes a chord of terror in us all, especially as we've, or at least I've, been riveted by the Malaysian air disaster over the last few weeks. In our technologically sophisticated age, we can still be lost in the depths. The term is broad enough and yet precise enough to encompass the gamut of life in our sin-stained world in those moments when our location can only be described properly as the depths. In our Western world, we tend to work with hard and fast lines between life and death. Life and death are mutually exclusive terms. To be dead is the opposite of to be alive and vice versa. But in the world of the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, the line between life and death is blurry. We can experience a living death. A living death defined by the ravages of sin, the loss of hope, and complete despair. The psalmist can pray to God from the same state of a living death. In the midst of life, we are in death, the requiem reminds us. The pit, the depths, Sheol, or the place of the dead, are all places where a human, fully alive in the biological sense, can exist. As Jonah plummets to the depths himself with a one-way ticket to Sheol, he too does what our psalmist today does. He prays. No better. He cries out. He shouts. It's sudden. And typically cries come from the depths. The anvil of life where physical and spiritual and emotional resources have run dry is the location for shouting and crying. The resolve of a stiff upper lip and social respectability amidst the difficulties don't matter anymore. It's time for crying. It's time for shouting. Large and startling images are before us. Lord, hear my prayer, Praise the psalmist. For where else is hope to be found? Lord, hear me. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Let your ears stoop low to my cry for mercy. And now we begin to get at the heart of the matter in this psalm. The depths home in on the reality of our offenses, of our iniquities. If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, Lord, if you should keep account of all of our sins and bring them to bear against us, if you, Lord, stood at the throne of your heavenly tribunal and gave an account of my deeds and listed out my sins, my falling short, my leaving undone, those things that I ought to have done, and my doing those things which I ought not to have done, Lord, if you measured all of this, who could stand in your presence? Who would have the right to speak? Who would have just cause to be? in your presence the psalmist at this point in Psalm 130 is alert and alive calling from the depths but alert and alive nonetheless why? because the psalmist is acutely aware of himself now how often our self-perception is more self-deception than anything else it's why Flannery O'Connor, a Southerner from Georgia, wrote in such startling pictures because she knew the civility and good-mannered nature of Southerners could be a mask for the most egregious kinds of evil. And sometimes you have to shout. In a blog that Todd Liscomb alerted me to, one of our adventers, about the errors that dad can, dads can make with their sons in Little League, One of the points that the blog writer hammered home was, Dads, remember, you weren't as good in high school baseball as you think you were. I've had to remind myself of this with my 250 batting average. To be aware of who we are, to be alert and alive to our real state, to cut through the pretentiousness and come face to face with the person in the mirror. Oh Lord, if you mark iniquities, who could stand? Oh Lord, you know who I really am. I'm not even sure I know who I am, but you know, Lord. And if you kept a record of my anger, of my lust, of my pride, of my deception, of my sloth, Lord, if you kept account of all of this, and surely you know, then who could stand? I am miserable, Lord. I am in need of your mercy. Lord, I'm in need of the smile of your grace. Because without it, my existential angst my depths from which I cry to you now, my discouragement over marriage, my frustration with children, the directionless character of my life and career, my hatred of the woman next door who seems to get every advantage that a person can get, all of these petty depths and real depths from which we cry to the Lord, all of them would pale to the real depths awaiting us, Lord If you marked our sin, because we couldn't stand there, we couldn't exist there, Lord. We couldn't pray there. No fish to bring you safe passage, Jonah. Just a downward plunge into the abyss of nothingness. Lord, if you marked iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. This is the rule by which the depth of our sin is to be measured. With you, Lord, there is forgiveness. You, Lord, forgive us. You don't mark out our sins. You don't lay them before us and condemn us because of them. Of course you could. But the rule of your character, the rule of your holiness is met with your patience and your kindness. You suffer long with your people. You forgive. And your son, you went to the depths so we wouldn't have to stay there. When asked by a young and eager student around his famed table talks, Dr. Luther, what are your favorite songs? He answered indirectly and humorously with, the psalmi paulini the pauline psalms and when pressed what psalms exactly are those he said psalms 32 51 130 and 143 gospel psalms we might say psalms that bring us to the uncomfortable mirror of ourselves to come to terms with self-knowledge So that we can be more fully aware of who God is. And what is the result? In order that you may be feared. Not the kind of fear that puts us into fight or flight mode. Do not be afraid, God tells Moses. And Jesus tells his disciples the same thing again and again. Don't be afraid. This fear is rightly ordered fear, mingled with fascination and wonder at the grace of God. A fear that draws us rather than repels us. A fear joined to deep affection and thanksgiving. God forgives us so that on the far side of our forgiveness we stand in awe and wonder and holy terror and faith in God who works His grace on our account, who relates to you in mercy, not justice who runs off the porch at the sight of your penitent being. The God who is an overwhelming mystery beyond the confines of our human speech and who at the same time sings over you because he delights in his love for you. In short, he forgives us so that we might worship him. The freedom from the tyranny and the guilt of our sin releases us into the freedom Of rightly relating to God and Jesus Christ. And our response is the fear of faith and worship. The next time you're in the depths, forced to cry out under life's billows, under the weight of your own sin, under the weight of life, cry out, receive His forgiveness. And sing your heart out to him. O Lord, seal these words on our hearts. Let us by faith believe that they're true and that they're true for us. In Jesus' name.